And we just pray in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Too many times, Catholics leave Mass feeling as disconnected from God as they felt when they walked into Mass. That's because they never welcomed the personal conversation God wants to have with them there. If that's you sometimes, join us now for Afterword as we seek to live in a relationship with God's Word after having heard it on Sunday and discover for yourself the personal conversation God wants to have with you. Pray for us. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, it is always great to be with you. It's I, great to be with you too, Dan. Yeah, so. I enjoy praying with you too at the beginning. I don't think people, um, they probably don't know how important that is. At least for me, I know it's important for you too to just put yourself in the right place before serving God. Um, and you know, it's hit me. I think some people think, oh, well, you pray before you give a talk or do something for God. But like, you know what? I need to pray before I go home and see my kids. <laughs> you know, I need to pray before I do the dishes. I need to pray before I do the taxes. Um, and what a difference it is when I put God first and I listen to him in the midst of those situations. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I always think of uh, St. Benedict's rule, or at Labora, work and pray. And, uh, or I guess it's pray and work is proper. But, um, like, and maybe this is the, the wrong meaning of it, but yeah. I've always taken it as, okay, when I'm doing my work, like, that's a prayer to God. Like, if I hand that over to him, like, that's doing it. And especially, like, in those moments where, as I was just telling you, I hate office work. I, yeah. It's my least favorite thing of being a priest is sitting in my office and having to do like the little nitty gritty stuff of a desk job. I'm but, the same way. <laughs> I'm like when I, but when I have to go, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. Mm -hmm. Usually, okay, God, I am sacrificing this for you. Yeah. And you know, it gets me through. I don't like it, but it gets me through in yeah. that moment. So, you know, it's funny. I just gone through that, you know, we're praise Jesus. I think people know that uh, our documentary uh, rescued from darkness is, was picked up by Virgil films. It's going to be out there on Amazon and Apple TV. Uh, but I'm going through all this tedious work and it is painstaking to like fix it almost frame by frame, like little areas where like light got into the margins in the wrong way. And it's like, literally I'm cutting little black boxes underneath old frames to like make it right oh. frame by frame. And my, my friend uh, said something to me, wow, you must really love that work. I'm like, no, I do not. <laughs> um, but I love Jesus Christ. And it's really an act of worship because I know I'm making something beautiful for him. And so last week I blew like, I would say six to eight hours going frame by frame, like at like 10 o'clock at night in my house, um, a bunch of nights in a row until midnight or even later. And yet, because I was doing it for Jesus Christ to making something beautiful for him, uh, it was like refreshing almost because I knew I was making something beautiful where if I were just doing that for anybody other than Jesus, Father, I, I would have cried. I would have quit. There's no way. I would quit filmmaking. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm dating myself here, but, or people might be scandalized by this, but I remember I, I got into Simpsons when it showed up on Disney Plus. Yeah. And so there was one episode. Um, it's actually a very sweet episode, but uh, Homer Simpson's at the nuclear power plant and uh, he wants to quit the job and all that. And then his newborn Maggie is was born. So he has to come back and they gave him this plaque and I forget whatever it was, but it was like, don't forget or something, you know, something along those lines, uh, basically like I own you. But he like put all these pictures up of his daughter Maggie and it said, and basically turned the sign into do it for her. Wow. And, and it was like, and that was in, 
and, and I just remember that was like the end of the episode. But it's like, when we do it for God, when we do it for, mm-hmm. you know, you know, do the work that, you know, God give, asks of us or do the work that, you know, for our family, right, with God at the center of it. Yeah. Then we can, you know, yeah, we're not going to like it, but we're going to be able to endure it yeah. and allow that to happen. But, you know, Father, uh, in my own family, in my own life, um, if I can just begin by praying for my wife or my kids, even if they feel like an enemy, um, it just changes me. And if I actually act with attention, reverence, and love towards them, uh, and and do that act as a father or a husband with attention, reverence, and love, uh, it just changes me. And that's the blessing. Um, I think sometimes we think we need to pray for others for others. I think sometimes God wants us to pray for others for us. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I think I've said this before. I, I don't remember if I've said it to you or not, but, you know, I talked about like resentment, right? And resentment is, you know, someone said it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And the least the way I have always done my, my penances when I give penance to people is that, listen, I'm going to have you pray for this other person but it's to change your heart. You right. can't change that person's heart. Right. You can only change your own heart right. and, and start loving them better. So Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like my children's requests or my wife's requests aren't realistic, aren't even of God sometimes. I'm like, well, how are you even thinking this? You know, especially <laughs> with my kids because, you know, they're teenagers and, and I have a six-year-old. That's just part of life. But um, when, I, when I go and pray for them, instead of immediately responding to them, but I go to pray so I respond to God, in the midst of those circumstances, I'm just better. Yeah. You know, I'm just better. And what I give them is better. And and I don't usually give them what they want when it's a ridiculous request, yeah. but I refuse it better. Yes. <laughs> you know? And yeah. and I and I think that we forget that as Catholics. It's just not it's not just about saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. It's about saying yes in the right way to the right things and no in the right in the right way to the yeah. wrong things. Exactly. I mean, I know this is on our gospel this week, but I always think of Christ when he talks about what, what father would give your, your son a scorpion when he asked for an egg or a, a snake when he asked for a fish. Like, and it's like, God's going to give you good things. Like, it might not be what you wanted, but he's going to give you what you need. And he's going to help us to answer those things the way we need kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and Jesus says in the gospel, he says, um, he says he talks about the law of God and he's not going to remove a single jot or tittle, like nothing from yeah. the law will be removed. But he actually is taking it further and he says, but basically I want to change your heart. So he says, you've heard that it's a sin to uh, commit adultery, yeah. but I tell you not to look at a person with lust. Yeah. You know, I, God's saying, I want to change your heart. You've heard it's a sin not to, it's a sin to kill somebody, but I tell you not to have anger in your heart. Yeah. Jesus is saying, I want to not just have you do the right thing. Yeah. I want to have you do the right thing in the right way. Yeah. I want to make you righteous. I want to make you more like me, yeah. not just on the outside, but I want to pierce you and change you on the inside. Yeah, which I think actually goes perfectly into our gospel this week mm-hmm. because you're jumping ahead of like, I think two weeks from now with, mm-hmm. with that. But, uh, you know, this, this week's gospel, we hear Christ say that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And, at least when I've always heard that, the word that really strikes out to me is you are, Mm. not you can be, not you will be, but rather you are. And by our baptism, we are Christ in the world. 
And, you know, and I, I said this in my homily, This I was talking about this, you know, with the kids last night, but, you know, regardless of what we think, people who know us and know that we're Catholic or know that we're Christians, right, have an expectation. And we either can lead people closer to the Christ or we can lead them farther away by that. But we are light. We are the light of Christ in the world. By our That's why we give a baptismal candle that is the light of Christ, because it shows that we share in that light, you know, with Christ. And so the question then becomes, how do we bring people closer to Christ in that? And I think it's a reminder that, um, it's funny, when I was in high school, I was on a retreat, and they gave out crosses, and on the back of the cross it said, Christ is counting on you. Um, And actually, then the theme of that retreat was to let your light shine so that others would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, Um, And uh, which is the gospel from uh, this past Sunday. And that's what God is saying is like, I'm counting on you. Not, not you could be the light of the world. You like you are, and I need you to be, and it matters. And, and not just what you do matters, but how you do it matters. Like, you know, and like, I can get my family to church, but if I do it without love and I'm yelling at them in the car on the way there, I could be doing more harm than good to their relationship with God. It's so funny you said that because I made my whole homily this week on the difference between being salt and salty. You know, that slang term yeah. of, you know, being snide, of being, you know, condescending, all that. And, um, and it's so true because if we say, oh, I'm a Catholic, but we are, you know, you know, uh, what's the words I'm looking for here? Not, not jealous, but like uh, judgmental of others. If we are, you know, you know, not living charitably, even with our kids, even with the people we love, if we, you know, and again, we get frustrated, yeah. we get upset, you know, um, I, I have t- uh, two nieces, they're two and three years old, and so they're little children, and I know that, but it doesn't make it easier when I ask them to stop throwing a ball at a TV and they keep throwing the ball at the TV. Like it, it, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. But again, we're called to be salt and not salty. And the reason why I said that was because like salt, right, is a flavor enhancer. It's something that can preserve. It's actually used for preservation in Christ's time. But the Romans used to use salt after they would destroy a town to make it so that nothing could grow back there. They would salt the earth. And they would basically would destroy all the nutrients and wouldn't allow any crops to grow. And we, again, are salt. And so we can be used to preserve the faith or we can use to destroy the faith. Yeah. I think that's so I think that's so important. Yeah, I think that's really important. In fact, one of the youth group kids, uh, when you were with the older kids in there in that small group, one of the girls, uh, Olivia, shared your homily. Yeah. Um, and and she talked about that, how with salt you could be destructive. Yeah. Or you could create beauty and yeah. seasoning. Uh, and yeah, and with our Catholic faith, we could be destructive to people's souls. We could harm them with the way we live our Catholic faith. We could harm them with the way we get to church on time. Um, or we could love them with the way we get to church on time. And Or maybe get to church a minute late, but they've been loved on the way in. Um, yeah. And maybe learn next time to get there, yeah. <laughs> to get there a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always aware of that as a dad. Um, so, and it's funny because this reminds me of the second reading. I, I have a lot of friends who are, are Protestants, um, and I love my Protestant brothers and sisters. Anybody who knows me knows that that's a deep 
important value in my life is to love my Protestant brothers and sisters because they've blessed me so much in my own return to my Catholic faith. So I have such, they're such a treasure to me. Um, but I'm, I, I'm aware in, in the Protestant community, there's what they call PKs, okay. pastor's kids. Oh, yep. <laughs> uh, and so the idea is like, usually it's the pastor's kids who like totally go off the rails because oh they're so surrounded by Jesus in a certain way at home. And then they just, and so I'm very sensitive with my own kids because I don't want to have a bunch of PKs in my house. Yeah. Like that it's really important to love them well and let them find God at their pace and let them embrace Catholicism at their pace. I, it, it's not just about leading them to God and practicing our faith. It's not just about yeah. the what of practicing our faith as a family. It's how we do it, that I do it with love, yeah. with patience, and let them find God on their terms. To, to the point, there's this bedtime prayer that I still pray with John. I've been praying with him since he was like eight. Uh, we always pray and I would ask the kids how they wanted me to pray with them. And it's this prayer that a, a friend of mine sent us. It's like a plaque and it's, a, it's, a, it's just a simple little prayer. It's not necessarily Catholic. Uh, and he wanted to pray that prayer. We've prayed it so much that I know it by heart. And now still, when I pray with him mm -hmm. at 15 years old, yeah. we pray that prayer uh, on top of all the other things and ask the saints to intercede. Um, but it's his prayer on his terms. Yeah. Um, so it's not just about being Catholic, it's about how we're Catholic, how we're being Catholic. Yeah, what I'm going to say is going to seem like an extreme to people out there, so I'm sorry if you, if you mm -hmm. think that, but um, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, Father, my, my teenage son isn't, you know, isn't, isn't coming to the church, or, you know, my, my, my daughter has, you know, has kind of left the faith, yeah. and, you know, and, has, and doesn't want to come to Mass with me. And I'm like, well, you need to praise God in that, because I know it sounds crazy when I say it, but they need to find the faith on their own because when I've, I might have shared this on the podcast, I don't remember, but you know, I left the church when I was 15. Mm. I, you know, I went to mass every week because I didn't want to share that, but I didn't believe in the faith. I didn't believe in confession. I didn't believe in the true presence, yeah. but because I left and because my parents never forced me to go or anything like that, they never, you know, forced it upon me. I was able to realize I'm missing something wow. because Again, my parents, and we weren't, you know, it's not like we were going to daily mass and, you know, doing all these things. We were normal Catholics. We went on Sundays, we said grace before meals. On occasionally, we would maybe do something special, you know, with prayer. But normal, normal, everyday Catholics. And yet, because my mom was like, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm going to, you know, support it. Um, I still went to church every Sunday, but she gave me the space to be able to find God as I needed to find him in that moment. But she was still an example, and she was still trying to be a light of the world to me in that. So. Maybe this will give some parents in that situation hope. One of the pivotal moments in my life was being at Mass with my family as a, I guess, a college student. Uh, and I was just doubting everything. Yeah. And I, I told my parents, I said, I don't want to receive the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just not, is it okay if I just don't go up? And they were okay with that. Yeah. And it was like they gave me just that little bit of space to say, you know what, I'm, if I'm doubting this, at least I'm taking it for real and saying, I don't want to receive that yeah. Eucharist because I don't know if I believe in that. Yeah. And, and, and then look what God has done. Yeah, praise <laughs> you know? God for that. So I think it is important to give our kids, it's important to give them the freedom to choose and the space to choose yeah. and the freedom and space to choose it in their way. Yeah. And at the same time, give them our example of obedience. Exactly. I think that's the best way to parent uh, yeah. as a Catholic. Yeah. Um, 
But you know, I, I, I think of my Protestant brothers and sisters, and it says uh, in the second reading, it really struck me, uh, Paul, I, I love this verse. He says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and you know me, and you know that I, I do a lot of ecumenical work. I work with a lot of evangelical brothers and sisters with the college campus ministry, and, and I, I just have a lot of dear friendships. And when I resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified, there's instant oneness. And, you know, and sometimes I think I need to just be able to make him, when I make him number one like that and resolve to know just that truth, it's easy to have oneness with every Christian out there. Um, and while we are different, and those differences are important, and I am Catholic for a reason, and, and I do disagree with my Protestant brothers and sisters on certain things, God also doesn't want to miss that oneness, um, doesn't want us to miss that oneness. And I've been blown away by that. Um, and that was something I reflected on this past week, to always come back to Jesus and make him my center and not the peripheral things. Yeah, you know, uh, like be very clear, like it tells us in... And I think we talked about this two weeks ago with Becca, but like, um, you know, Second Vatican Council tells us salvation is only found in the church, right? Mm -hmm. And the fullness of truth is found in the Catholic faith. But that doesn't mean that we can't find parts of the truth in all those. You know, Christ works in everyone's life, even if, you know, it's up, but it's up to them to find him, basically, right. is what I'm getting at here. You know, and that's why, like, the church will never say any specific person is in hell. And that's we need right. to remember that, you that's know, right. uh, because we don't know God's mercy. That's it's right. bigger than anything we can imagine. So, yeah, I, I love how the church, the church has a list of people in heaven, the yep. saints, exactly. because God has worked through them and through their intercessions after their death. So we know that they're in heaven. But God, uh, the church has no list of people who are in hell because as the catechism says, we entrust all judgment to the justice and mercy of God. Amen. Uh, that, and that we are open to the fact that people might be saying yes to Jesus and, and might not even be aware of it, but they might be saying yes. So as Catholics, we believe salvation comes down to a personal yes or no to Jesus. And the fullest way to give that yes to Jesus is in the Catholic church. Amen. And if you keep saying yes, you're going to end up here. Like, we really believe that. I really believe yeah, that. Like, I mean, St. John Henry, or I, don't, I, I, might be, I might be canonizing him too yeah. early. Sorry, Catholic Church. Yeah. But, you know, John Cardinal Henry Newman, right? Mm -hmm. Or Cardinal John Henry Newman. There we go. That's it. He was a Protestant. He was an Episcopalian. Yeah. And he started reading the Church Fathers because he was saying yes to Jesus and he wanted to find the truth. And it led him into the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. And that's what it comes down to is, are we following Jesus? Are we allowing him to be the light so that we can be a light to others in our life? And, and the church is very clear uh, in the catechism and in Lumen Gentium that there are people saying yes to Jesus unconsciously without even knowing that they're saying yes to Jesus. Just like the Apostle Paul talked about the Athenians, mm -hmm. he said, you are worshiping God without knowing it. Unknowingly, yeah. you're worshiping God to these people worshiping gods and goddesses. Yeah. And he says, and God has overlooked that time of ignorance. And then he says, but now he's calling us to know his son, Jesus Christ. But Paul was very clear that there were people in a relationship with God without knowing it. And Jesus says the same thing before his death on the cross. He said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of the sin of crucifying me, of rejecting me. Yeah. Like, but I spoke to them. And so now they, they should know. But there are times when people just don't know. And people could be saying, like Paul says, a yes to God, and therefore are actually saying a yes to Jesus, 
and therefore actually Catholic in a way, in a peripheral yeah. way, without even knowing it. And so the church considers anyone saying yes to goodness and love, potentially a brother or sister in Christ. Amen. And then we just entrust all of that to the judgment and mercy of God, and we don't make a decision on that. Amen. And, and actually, it's funny, that's one of the points of major disagreement uh, with me and my evangelical brothers and sisters. Not, not all of them. You'd be surprised. There are, there are many evangelical born-again Christians who think the way the church, Catholic Church does yeah. on this, but the majority probably don't. And I just don't know how to see God any other way. Like, yeah. how could a loving God expect more um, than your best yes? And I think sometimes your best yes to him is just, I don't know about God, but I know about love that I'm going to love. Amen. And uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say like even if we just follow basic natural natural law, right? Like it is bad to kill people. Mm-hmm. It is bad to steal. It is bad to treat others without dignity. Mm-hmm. So long as you're following that, you're following God. Even if you don't recognize it, even if you're an atheist and you're like, I don't think, or agnostic, and I don't think there's really a God, but I know this is true. Yeah, you're following God, even if you don't recognize it in that That's moment. Right. So, and and I think some people when they die are going to be surprised. Yeah. I think they're going to be surprised by the gates of heaven. And, yeah. and, and I also think people can die and be surprised by hell. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh, I think if you, want to have, if you want to be secure in your salvation, you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. Amen. And when, when you know Jesus Christ and you, have, and you are rejecting him, you are rejecting the fullness of the truth when you know it. Um, but I also think there are people who will die, like I think of some relatives of mine uh, who are on, their fen- on the fence about faith, but live the most loving lives and tried to find God, I think they died and were surprised um, by the gates of heaven being there before them. And maybe they needed some time in purgatory to be prepared to walk through them, oh, yeah. but I think they were surprised. Oh, I think, I think most of us need, need that time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I said this to, I've said this to my, the high schoolers before, but uh, you know that old saying, shoot for the moon if you miss your land among the stars? Yeah. I always go, shoot for heaven, even if you miss, you'll land up in purgatory. That's right. And, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with getting the purgatory. That's right. So. And, and, that, and we've talked about that before. Purgatory is not for the lost. It's for the saved. It's yeah. for people who've been rescued by grace and who God's going to keep working so you can genuinely enjoy heaven. Because if you go to heaven with a grudge against somebody who's already there, well, that's not going to be heaven. But if you yeah. go to heaven ready to love even your enemies and your enemies there, yeah. heaven's going to be a blessing. And I think that kind of goes right back to our second reading, right? It says, St. Paul says he resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And what did Christ do on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And how often can we, you know, can intentionally and unintentionally be like, well, this person doesn't know Jesus. So then they're not saved or they don't know this. It's like we're we're judging them or we're not doing what Christ calls us, which is to love the sinner and hate the sin. And so just kind of keeping that at the, the center of our life is going to be most important. Yeah, and that goes back to the beginning of our conversation as we start to wrap up here. Um, you know, it's not just what we do, and be, be not just that we're faithful to the what's of our faith and uh, we believe these things, but we need to be faithful to God in how we live it. And, um, and part of that is, is not judging others yeah. and, and trusting all judgment to the justice and mercy of God. Even if you want to judge your wife or your kids or your enemy or your friend or your yeah. coworker, to say, God, I'm entrusting all that judgment to you, and I'm just going to pray for them, and it, and, and I'll let you change them with reverence, me. attention, and love. So, Amen. Amen. So, you know, if you'd like to grow in this uh, Catholic and personal relationship with God and, and welcome Jesus into your lives, um, He is the fullness of the truth. Uh, 
And, and in, when you find him, you're going to find the church. Uh, if you'd like to grow in this relationship with God and say a more personal yes to Jesus, would you simply say this prayer with me? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, God, I welcome you into my life. I welcome you into my life. Right now. Right now. As I am. As I am. I welcome you. I welcome you. Into the midst of my confusion. Into the midst of my confusion. And into the midst of my convictions. And into the midst of my convictions. Help me to be. Help me to be. The Catholic Christian. The Catholic Christian. You always desired I would be. You always desired I would be. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've prayed a prayer like that, we merely believe that you've consciously decided to welcome and cooperate with the grace of your baptism. Now go make a good confession and go and receive the Eucharist regularly so that you can continue to grow in this Catholic and personal relationship with God. Thanks, Father. Thank you, It's always a blessing. Too many times, Catholics leave Mass feeling as disconnected from God as they felt when they walked into Mass. That's because they never welcomed the personal conversation God wants to have with them there. If that's you sometimes, join us now for Afterword as we seek to live in a relationship with God's Word after having heard it on Sunday and discover for yourself the personal conversation God wants to have with you.